Yeah, so I appreciate this opportunity to be up here. It's a, it's a great, you know, it's a blessing. It's a challenge. It's, yes. You know, I was um, walking by the garden the other day while the uh, snow was still on the roses, and the voice I heard whisper in my mind said, it's high time. High time. Okay, now we can have an altar call. It's high time. Right there is enough. I mean, that is going to stab you right in the heart. It's like, uh-oh, he knows it's high time. God's been talking to me. It's high time. So let's, uh, let's open a word of prayer before we go any, any further. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in this pulpit, and I pray that you'd speak to our hearts here, Father, tonight, all of us, myself included, Father, because sometimes you speak things through the preacher that he didn't even plan on. So I just pray you'd bless and speak through us tonight here. And, and uh, allow us to, to grow close to you through it. In Jesus' name, amen. So for our text tonight, you can open up if you'd like to, Romans chapter 1. <laughs> our text is not Romans chapter 1, but we're going to start there because it's high time. And high time is something that begins in Romans chapter 1 and builds throughout the book of Romans. So as we go along there, we're going to see in chapter 13 where we're going. It's high time in chapter 13. So in Romans chapter 1, you know that Paul was speaking to the people of Rome, the Christians, the beloved of God. Are you beloved of God yourself? Because this message is for you if you're beloved of God. He talks in chapter 2 about those that try to, I guess, fix things by good deeds of following the law. You know, chapter 1 says everybody's wicked. The world is wicked. There's wickedness in the world. And he defines a lot of wickedness. In chapter 2, he talks about those that try to be teachers of those and, and a light to the Gentiles. And he says, do you you know, teach about these laws and you break the laws yourself? And then in chapter 3, we hear that now, all have come short of the glory of God. All have sinned, chapter 3. And, and because of that, we see in chapter 4 that it's not by the law in keeping that, but it's like what Abraham found in chapter 4, faith. There's an issue of faith that makes the difference. And then in chapter 5, we, we begin the whole chapter there by, therefore, being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have peace with God? Do you feel his love? Because he says God commendeth his love towards us and that while we are yet sinners, Jesus Christ loves us and he loves us while we are even his enemies. And then in chapter 6 it says, okay, because we have this love of God towards us and this, this thing of faith that's going on, do we just continue in sin and forget about all the commandments? No, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin and living any longer therein? And he goes on to say later, later in the chapter, he says, uh, knowing not to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Whose servant are you? Right? And then chapter 7, he says, oh, there's an issue here where we're struggling. There's an issue. And, and, he, and he gets to the end of the chapter there, and he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He says, I, but I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? I thank God. He is the one that's going to deliver us. It's, it's through him that we can have the difference there. So in the flesh, we're going to live according maybe to the, to the, in, the, the, the sin, let's say, okay? And then in the spirit, we're going to be living according to 
his, his righteous ways. And then in chapter 8, we have the issue there where he's, he's telling us that um, if you have the spirit of Christ in you, then you are, you are his, right? It's the spirit of Christ that makes the difference. So I'm asking you tonight, who are you? Do you have the spirit of Christ in you? Do you define yourself as the person that has the spirit of Christ in you? Or are you the one that's struggling in the flesh there and, and you define yourself as, well, I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like to go to church, you know, because you're defining yourself in the flesh. If you're defining yourself in the spirit, you love to go to church. You see, there's a difference, a dichotomy there. And when you realize who you are, so I'm asking you, who are you? You know, And when you get yourself in the wrong person, you're not going to do anything right for God. Chapter 9, he goes on, he says the, 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 the Greeks, or rather the Jews, they tried to get this righteousness by the, the deeds of the law, you know, instead of through Jesus Christ, who was their stumbling stone, the, the rock of stumbling. So they missed it there. And then chapter 10, God says that he is rich unto all that will call upon him, Jew and Greek, all that will call upon the name of the Lord. And this group here, I'm trusting that you've all called in the name of the Lord. That makes the difference. That's where we're going tonight. We, ha we have to be a people that have called on the name of the Lord, or else this means nothing about high time. And going on in chapter 11, he says there uh, that the, don't be high-minded. Don't be high-minded, but fear, because the Jews, they were cut out of the vine for a short time, not forever. It's just a temporary blindness, and you were grafted in, and you have a position there that God has just blessed you with. Realize it's a real privilege. And then in chapter 12, he tells us how to be living sacrifices, how to live for God. And we find the, the ways of living Christian victoriously life there in chapter 12. And now chapter 13, he tells us we're going to be obeying, we're going to be good citizens, put it that way. Be, be good citizens. And then he goes on to say that love is the fulfilling of the law. He gets back to the commandments, the very commandments he was talking about in chapter 1 and 2 being violated and how they were just missing it in chapter 9 again, trying to get righteousness by the commandments. In chapter 13, he gets back to the commandments and he says that love is the fulfilling of the law. He says, you know, look at the different commandments, thou shalt not steal or commit adultery or, or whatever. And then he says, whatever, he says, that love is the fulfilling of the law because love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. Now, let's open to our text tonight, chapter 13, um, verses 11, 12, 13, and 14. He says, with that background, that we are Christians and we've come to the Lord through our faith in him and not our works and not our commandments and not, not how good we're doing and all that stuff, but by just putting our faith and trust in him, realizing that we are sinners and we have a savior jesus christ and and we have this uh, these commandments that we can love one another he goes on uh, in um, verse 11 he says chapter 12 chapter 13 verse 11 he says and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed the night is far spent the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You see, he says it's high time. 
and knowing the time. You know, he says that in knowing the time. Why does he start off with that? And in knowing the time, we've just gone through the book of Romans, and he's just presented all that to these Romans down there. He wants to visit them. He hasn't been there. He wants to go there and impart to them some spiritual gift to the end, and maybe established. And he wants to he wants to bless them. He hasn't been there yet, but he's telling them in this text, it's high time. What is the time? Is it a time in history when you're, you're, you're in the greatest nation of the world and you're right there in Rome and, and persecution is starting to befall you? Or is it a time that perhaps the Messiah has come and the light to the world has come and this light has come into their heart and they realize that that light is for them and they can bring this light to a world, a dark world filled with deception and lying and who knows what's going on? We, we can look at all the different things in Romans chapter 2, and you can see a world that defines our world right now. And you can see that he says it's high time because the night is far spent. Okay, it's high time because the night is far spent. Sometimes we say we got to work while the daylight, or work while the, before the night cometh, or whatever the song says, but it is actually night. Now, and it's not going to be day until that day when Jesus Christ comes and shows himself. You know, Peter, he says in the scriptures, he says of the scriptures itself, you also have a more sure word of prophecy, and you do well if you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn, the day dawn, and the day star rise in your heart. You see, it's night. It's not dawn yet. It's coming. All right? A lot of us walked in this morning with a good morning for some reason. I don't know why we're all thinking good morning, but... It fits the message real nice there because the day is coming, you see. And knowing the time, that is high time. So Christians have received this light. So not only has Jesus Christ come as a light, Christians have received this light, and we can share this light. And knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. Are we sleeping, really? I mean, is that, are you sleeping? I mean, you can come to church and do all the things that God wants us to do and have a relationship with Jesus Christ even, but is he saying to you, it's high time to wake out of sleep? It's time for an action? It's time for something? High time is something that God speaks personally to us about. It's got a particular way that it fits into the scriptures here, but for each one of us, I believe this word is only used once in the scriptures. I don't see it anywhere else. I haven't found it. If you find it, let me know. It'd be fun to kind of see another place where there's high time. But he says, high time to wake out of sleep. Okay? So he's telling, I'm not saying wake out of sleep, Christian. As far as I see, I see a lot of Christians that are awake here, but God knows your heart. And is he telling you wake up? Is he telling you wake up to something he's got for you that he wants you to do, perhaps? And knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Tick, tick, tick. That sounds obvious. You know, it's near, of course. We're saved, and we're only moving in one direction, closer to that day of redemption, redemption of our bodies, the day that we're going to see Jesus Christ face to face. It's imminent. We don't know when he's coming back. We don't know when we're leaving. It's imminent, just as imminent as for Paul 2,000 years ago. He didn't know, but he knew that we are living in a time that it could be any time. And here it is, so much time, if we measure it in a calendar, 
later. He hasn't come yet, but it could be this very moment I'm speaking to you. It's imminent. The night is far spent. It's the church age. Now we see through a glass darkly as far as Jesus goes, as far as our relationship with prayer and talking to him and things like that. We know, but we don't see face-to-face clearly. We pray like face-to-face, but we're not seeing him with our eyes. Maybe with our mind's eye, we have an image, we have an idea, an understanding. But as it comes to the word of God, we are looking through a glass now that is revealed. The, the Jewish people looked into the scriptures and they were, they were veiled to them. If you look into 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, why don't you turn over there, check the 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Most of that chapter, especially verses 4 and 6, we can see that there was a, a, um, a veil over Moses' face, if you get into chapter 3, as uh, he was covering the light on his face. Light is always associated with good things, and, and uh, the light on his face was terrifying to the people, so he put this veil over his face, and it says that this veil is still over the hearts of these Jewish people as they read the Old Testament scriptures, not seeing Jesus in there. But we can see through a glass, not darkly. We can see through this glass, and we can see into the scriptures and understand the light that's being given to us. We have the light of the world because we understand God's given us the understanding. It's something that the Spirit of God's done in us, and we have that spirit, and we have that light. We can share that light, and God wants us to share that light in this world. Um, it says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts that we may what? proclaim the word of God, proclaim the gospel message, the gospel light. Peter says that he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. In the second Peter, we already went over second Peter um, 19 about we have a more sure word of prophecy. There's light. This word is light. And, and Jesus Christ came as the light of the world. So with this light, we see the night is far spent, and there's going to be a day dawning, and we have, to be, we have to be ready. Now, there's action here. Let's look at the action that he has. He says, it's high time. He says, let us cast off, cast off. He says, therefore, let us, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. In the world, we have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And we know that lusts are going to lead to sin when they're conceived and bring forth death. We know that's not a good thing. We also know the word lust can be used in the way that the spirit lusted against the flesh, lusted against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. It's a strong desire. And here, of course, we're just addressing the strong negative desires, and we're saying that's a bad way to go. Let us cast off the bad ways of lusting, the bad things that God doesn't want us to have. Um, so, and, and sometimes sometimes we're not even sure that we're doing wrong things and we need the light of the word of God or we need somebody, another person. Maybe you overhear a conversation and you hear somebody saying, that's disgusting, and you say, really? I do that. I didn't know that. I had no idea. So sometimes we are, we are in the dark <laughs> as far as some of the things we're doing that are not right, not good. And, and it's good to have God's word Preach to us and reveal specific things that we need to fix in our lives. Sometimes in our just general life, we might be saying things and somebody says, 
what are you lying for that for? You just did this or said that, and now you're, it's like, oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, you're right. Uh, sometimes there's a cloak of maliciousness, right? We can take the liberties that we have in Christ and use it in the wrong way. Maybe it's a judgmental way or something like that. It's cloak of maliciousness. It's like, oh, leave me alone. I can do what I want, you know? Cloak of maliciousness. No. Hypocrisy, another thing, you know? We can say one thing and do another thing. And uh, he talks about unfeigned love of the brethren, um, things along the lines of hypocrisy. He doesn't want us to have those type of things. Let us cast off the works of darkness. You've seen somebody maybe get a bunch of bees inside their clothing, and they're casting off their clothing because it's stinging them and hurting them. I just heard about a man that had a battery in his pocket that was exploding and causing, you know, the fire and the pain and everything that was going on with that, tearing off his clothing there because of the pain and what it was causing, and it was destroying him. And that's sort of what we're looking at here. Cast off that which is destroying you, that which is killing you. Cast it off, not lay it aside, but cast it off. You're not going to take it back again. Get rid of it completely. It's high time to put on the armor of light. Let us put on the armor of light. Now listen, this is armor and it's light. Armor protects, light makes manifest. This is a different type of armor, I believe, than we're talking about in the whole armor of God. I believe this is the armor of the truth of this very light we're talking about, the gospel light. If you have the light of God's word in you, you have an armor. If you, are, if you are putting on this, this, this truth, you have an armor against all the falsehood, all the darkness in this world. You have a reason, a strength to do what's right. I remember when I was a young man and I, I came to Christ in college, I remember with having Christ and the gospel message in me and knowing it, I had a reason for doing right in college. I had a reason to lay aside the things that were not right put them off. And I just felt good about that because I needed a reason. I didn't want to live in the way that the world was portrayed to me before I was saved. I thought, okay, this is the way the world is. This is what people do. This is what you're supposed to learn. This is what you're supposed to do. When I came to Christ, it was like, yeah, this is the way I want to live because God gave me a reason now. This is his light, his way, his direction, and we can cast off the works of darkness. So it's an armor. It gives you strength to do what's right and forsake what is wrong. So think of it as an armor of light. Maybe it's, it's best described as the, as the uh, girding yourself with, the, with, with truth, as it says in the other armor pieces. It's something that with this truth, you know how to combat the things that are evil. And you know, in raising children, I was discussing with another man, how come some children grow up to stay with the Lord and love the Lord? and some depart. I believe it's got a lot to do with this armor of light and how they can confront the world and the things that are going to hit them. Can they match it up with the word of God and say, huh, you're saying this, but God's word says that. Do you have it as an armor where you can use it to combat and fight off the things that are your temptations or that are fighting against you? And you can use it effectively and say, no, I've got this armor on. I've got a reason, and I'm going to do what's right, and I'm going to move forward with what's right and stay away from that evil stuff. Let us put on the armor of light. And then he says, let us walk honestly as in the day. Now listen, in honest walking, honesty is different than truth. 
What do I mean? Well, God says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, he's listed them differently, truth and honest. Truth is Jesus Christ, all right? We have the truth. You can have Jesus Christ in you, but you can keep him hidden. That's not honest. <laughs> See the difference? You can have the truth, but not show them forth. You're not being honest. Let's see the light. If you cover that light up, you go to another place. Let's say you go someplace far away, and you want to go into the casino because nobody's going to see you that knows you. And Wait a minute. There's something going on there. That's not being honest with who you are. Or are you the person you say? Are you that Christian that's put trust in Christ? Do you have Christ inside of you directing you all the time like that? Or are you just going to go back into the flesh because nobody's going to watch because it's all about what other people see, right? Now, it's all about you and God, and you've got to get this right with him. So we have walking honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Now, those things, again, are the lusts of the flesh. You can define them into lust of flesh in the three categories we talked about already. You can fit them in there. Uh, chambering and wantonness, we don't use those words all the time. That means like immodesty and sensuality in a, a way that shouldn't be outside of marriage, let's say. Um, the other ones I think are pretty much used in our vocabulary about rioting and drunkenness and, and, and strife and envying, you know, looking at somebody else and feeling bad because they're superior to you in something. That's not what Christians should be all about at all. We should be thankful that God has given somebody an ability, a talent, or whatever it might be, and just praise the Lord for that. So watch out for the honesty, walking honestly as in the day, putting those things aside. They're not of the day like that. You know, the other day I was watching a snowmobile that come across my field. I don't like that when people cross my field. I don't like people trespassing against me, you see? But when I go on somebody else's land, like in the past, I wouldn't mind uh, looking at somebody's mountain and running over it. It's like, wow, this is a great place to run. Like, wait a minute, I'm trespassing, right? Yeah, well, got to watch out. Now, when some snowmobiler comes on my land, uh-uh-uh, that's different. And I stop snowmobilers. So I had quite an experience this week. There was a snowmobiler coming across the field middle of the day, and I thought bright sunlight, and he's right in the middle. I was like, what is this bold person doing? So I did my usual thing of trying to head him off, get over to the road where he's going to go past my house, flag him down like, I hope he doesn't run me over, but I'm going to have a confrontation. And I've learned to be nice in my confrontations over the years. Stop being Billy Gro Go Gruff's troll there, you know, because you never know what's going to come of this in the future, right? We're going to be a Christian light to this person, perhaps, as well as being a policeman. This particular guy came up and... He said, well, Mr. Lang, you're going to see a face you haven't seen in a long time. So he took off his helmet and his goggles and his hood, and, and he told me his name. Thirty years ago, he was my Sunday school boy. You see? Never know. You see, the thing is, he revealed to me who he was. He took off, let's call those the... the, the uh, the darkness. He took off the darkness. He took off that armor of darkness there and revealed who he was. But actually in doing that and him calling me Mr. Lang, it, it revealed to me who I was. 
his teacher, <laughs> his Sunday school teacher. That was the second time that happened this week. Somebody said to me, Mr. Lang, and I was his teacher 30 years ago. And it just, again, hits home to me who I am, regardless of my surroundings or where I am or what I'm doing. There's something that God has called for each one of us to do. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God's got a calling for us. It's high time to take hold of the things that God has for us and to do them. He says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not with those things. And then he goes on to say, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Put on Christ, right? Put on Christ. And don't make provision for those things you have cast off. They're castaways. Don't go back to them. Leave them off and move forward now for the Lord. Amen. At this point, I'd have an altar call, and it's high time.